0: In three, two, one. hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And all right, guys, you know I love it when I get to say it's another first on the No Outlet Podcast. And I am happy to announce that we have another first on the No Outlet Podcast. We've had doctors, we've had authors, we've had scientists, we've had comedians, we've had actors, we've had improv gods. We've had animal activists, teachers. I could go on and on. We've had so many different types of guests. However, we have never, until tonight, had a mixed martial artist on the show. And this is not just any mixed martial artist, but he is also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He was once the number one ranked fighter in the Northeast. He was a contracted fighter with both the UFC, Bellator, he was an NEF title holder, and he owns an amazing gym in beautiful Summersworth, New Hampshire. I've been a fan of this guy for years, and I've wanted to have him on the show now for a while. So without any further ado, please give a warm, no-outlet welcome to Devin Powell from No Stos MMA Gym.
1: Devin, how are you? Doing good, man. Real good. How
0: you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Absolutely, anytime.
0: We are going to play a game called 20 questions and it always starts the exact same place. And that's question number one, uh, the most important question, tell the good people, the studio audience here and those listening at home, what is Nostos? And am I saying,
1: um, it yeah, I mean, people say it different ways. And honestly I may have started saying it the wrong way and you know, People might know the the proper way to say it, Um, but we we say Nostos. Some people say Nostos. I mean, really to each his own, but um, I I found the name when I started um, running or when I started trying to research what a good name would be um, when I began uh, trying to open up my gym. So a fellow teammate and fighter, Bill Jones, ran the shop, and he gave me the opportunity to basically take over. And I started kind of with like a bit of a, a clean slate with, with a new name and stuff. And just tried to like reinvigorate everything. And I searched for something that meant welcome home. And when I searched that online, it basically came up right away with the Nostos. And it's, it's got like a Greek background. It's when the um, soldiers came home from the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. They called it the Nostos. It was like arriving at your final destination. Oh, that's cool. And it just felt appropriate because I was um, working at a, a dead end job at a passport center, and I was training and fighting, and those were the only things that I actually liked. Um, and then I get the opportunity from Bill to start running a mixed martial arts gym, so um, that was a you know a huge um, leap in the direction of what I want to do for a living. Um, so I basically continued to work at my um, passport center job for one more year. While I also ran the gym full time, and I also bounced at a um, at a bar uh, on the weekends, and I also taught jujitsu at a preparatory school in Danvers, Massachusetts. While I tried to get up enough students to be able to eventually just fight and um, you know teach at my gym, so wow. that was where it came from, and that was the story.
0: That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I remember. I, I it was called the shop, right? The previous gym, yep. yeah. I remember that. Um, I, I've been in your gym, um, and it's got a really good vibe to it. Like, it's unlike most gyms in general, and I've only been to a couple of, you know, BJJ or MMA gyms. There's not a ton of them around, but it feels different walking into into your gym. Um, and, and I think it's I, – I think that it's – you know, there's a lot of reasons behind that. I'm a big believer in, like, you can walk into a place and you can feel, like, is there – positive energy? Is there encouraging energy? Is there hardworking energy? And, and you've got all
1: of that. What would you attribute that to? Yeah, I mean, um, there's just so many different people and influences that have been part of the gym and just part of martial arts. Um, one of my big, um, not even like somebody that I looked up to fighting, it was just more like the mindset was the guy um, named Yankee Sudo. And he'd always go into the cage in Japan, um, or the ring after, and he hold up this flag. that was just a bunch of um, tiny pictures of flags from all over the world. Mm. And in the middle, you are all one. In one of my uh, UFC fight shirts, uh, it kind of had that thing on the front. And then it just said, howl to the people with like a fist and stuff like that. But it, it was like a we're all one kind of theme. And we have flags all over the ceiling. We have them downstairs along the ceiling, well, along the walls. Um, you know, we have a bunch of like street art graffiti from like close friends. Like we have art from other, other friends as well that we have framed and hung up on the walls. Um, you know, we've pictures from across the last 15 years of my martial arts journey all over the walls. Um, so there's still like in different, you know, in pieces now it's, it's um, it's instead of a, a full cage, it's now like a rect or a, like a square cage. Um, plus wall padding in one of our side rooms, but the original uh, shop page is still there. Sure. Part of it is used in our main uh, training room, too. Um, you know, there's belts from several different years' worth of um, mixed martial arts fights. Yeah, um, The place, you know, we, uh, I always want it to be different than just like a cookie-cutter-looking studio. In the basement, it used to be dirt, and we had that all poured to concrete. We made a full training facility down there. Wow! And I, uh, I had an epoxy floor guy come in and do the screen and black smoke, um, epoxy floor for the locker room with all graffitied lockers and stuff, and looks really cool. Um, nice. So, everything was was meant to be, you know, something you won't see anywhere else. You know, it's not just like a white mat with like perfect like concrete with like a, a wood desk. You know, where it's just like almost like what you expect when you go to a jiu-jitsu gym. This is like chaotic and fun and has a lot of different styles and themes all over it. Um, you know, we have our whole ceiling is, is plastered with photos of our fighters in the cage. You know, those are like the ceiling tiles. It's, it's pretty cool in there. It's definitely different than anything I've ever seen. Yeah. And That that was my goal. I wasn't really looking <laughs> to do this or that. Um you know that I saw another gym do it. Wanted to kind of run with their own thing.
0: Yeah, well, mission accomplished, man. It, it looks really cool in there, and um, I, I dig that. You know, everything looking a little bit. I like the way you put that. Like something you wouldn't exp- you wouldn't find anyplace else. And I think that mm-hmm. you definitely achieved that. So, what got you into? I, I heard you say that you were in a dead end job. You you know you were training, but what got you into mixed martial arts in the first place? Because you got in a time where it was starting to get popular, but it's it was nowhere near as popular as it is now. So, what what was that initial push to get you into the
1: sport? Um, so it was pretty much me working at the same um, job that I didn't like, and I would come home from night shift, and they would always have WEC wreckage on the the TV. Um, And I'd watch and I never watched UFC or any fights or anything. I would just see that when I'd come home, and I'd always watch, watch, like, Carlos Condit. And some other guys, like Mike Brown, who's from the New uh, New England area, he's from Maine. Um, You know, Uriah was one of the big guys, um, Cub Cub Swanson, uh, although those guys are who I kind of looked up to, but Carlos was 100% my favorite, because he was like, I felt like I had the same frame as him, you know, he's about the same height as me, um, and because of watching that I just found an MMA gym and I just figured I wanted to start doing that because before martial arts I was um you know when I was in high school I was playing in a band and I loved playing in front of an audience and I liked to perform and um that was kind of what I spent my time doing just playing guitar so I had no outlet or anything all I did was work and I, I was doing nothing that I was actually enjoying so I you know I found the martial arts gym and I started competing and fighting and all that, and then everything's kind of come full circle because a little less than a year ago, we had Carlos Condit come down for a seminar, and he stayed at our house for a few days, and we just hosted him and got to pick his brain and have an incredible time with him. Oh, uh, and my so cool. team got to train with him, and I was the ookie for him, so it's really neat.
0: Yeah, that is cool. You know, he was one of my favorite fighters, too. I actually had a mixed martial arts T-shirt company way back in 2008 um and i had jake shields scott smith brett rogers um mike brown and a few others and then it was kind of it was going in in a good direction and then they started like really clamping down on what you could wear into the ring and now it's just basically Mm -hmm. you get to wear reebok you know and that's and that's kind of it i think but but there was that moment in time where everyone had like their walkout t-shirt and it was a signature shirt and um and it was it was a lot of fun and I we tried to get Carlos Condit but he was already too big and we were still a, kind of a small company but he was he was when he was at his prime there he was really really good dangerous you know
1: oh yeah, yeah. for sure yeah
0: um,
2: yeah
1: so- I feel like um, Head Rush well I think that I think GSB also had them but I think Head Rush was like a really big company that Carlos like was working with when. Uh, Who's getting to that like big platform? Yeah,
0: I mean, it was like you know, obviously it was tap out. Then, then the whole affliction thing happened. They tried to start their own, you know, promotion. And uh, there's a lot of money in merch. And, and and Dana White saw that early. Speaking of Dana White, you were actually um, featured in a segment uh, of a show that he had. I, I believe it was called Looking for a Fight. Um, you know, what can, there's a lot. You know, Dana White's an interesting guy because. He is polarizing in some ways, but he's also somebody who's done a tremendous amount of good for the sport. And, um, you know, what was your experience in dealing with him, uh, not just with that show, but in general?
1: I mean, it was always good, man. Like, I have no no complaints about it. You know, like, obviously, you know, when you lose decisions, it'll haunt you forever. And, Mm. you know, you'll always have, like, those regrets and those thoughts of like what ifs of this or that but like I had a great opportunity that I took and it got me you know the the recognition and um you know the spotlight for a a brief period of time um you know I got to win on some really cool platforms I got to see some things that I realized that like what people around the world are doing that I need my fighters to be doing better than I did Um, And I'm coaching all those guys in the right direction now. And to be a head coach that's not focusing on my own career at only 34, I think the the sky's really the limit, you know? Yeah. Uh, Still helps us to train with these guys. Um, Dana was super nice when I get signed. You know, I uh, I fought in Calgary, and I really thought that I was going to get the $50,000 bonus for a liver kick knockout, but they gave it to Jose Aldo, ironically enough, because we were just talking about him, Mm -hmm. where he had a knockout like a liver, kick, a liver shot where he dropped Jeremy Stevens. And, you know, my guy might, wouldn't get off the ground for three minutes. And Jeremy Stevens was immediately contesting and stopping it. So I was mm. upset that I didn't get the bonus, but it is what it is. But then, you know, a couple of days later, whatever I got a letter signed by Dean White thanking me for a good performance with an extra $10,000. So, you know, that wow. was like, something that didn't have to, ha- have to happen. And they do that a lot. You know, there's a lot of the behind the doors, like, um, bonuses and stuff. It's people get cut and they get super bitter. If you're there, you're usually not complaining, unless you're a superstar that you know you need to get more money than you are. But for the most part, you know they try to take care of you while you're there.
2: Yeah. So,
1: you know, I was it, it was it was a good time. You know, I it was a good time. It was uh you know a, a short period of my life. Now that it's like said and done, um, and I I didn't want to even necessarily get there when i got my opportunity i just knew that it was something that i couldn't pass and i couldn't you know i couldn't live with myself if i didn't at least go on that ride because i almost retired before because i was running the gym and i was considering just focusing on that but then i was like no i think i'm I'm too good to just not pursue it a little more and then i ended up fighting four times in six months and that fourth fight got me in the ufc wow so a wild string of you know events that got me there um, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was nice. Um, you know, and I know that people have their things to say about him, but like I'm sure he's not as bad as someone like Elon Musk or you know, any of those <laughs> others. He's very wealthy, you know, he, yeah. he could do whatever he wants. Um, I'm not super stoked about him spending all this money on power slap and stuff. I mean, that's kind of a joke Whereas they could, you know, focus on putting more time and energy into the fighters that, I think he could get paid a little bit more and cool. maybe have full-time healthcare and sure. stuff, but, um, you know, he, he can do what he wants. Talk um, about like the, yeah.
0: that must've been the greatest letter ever. You know, you open it up, not expecting anything and have 10 K in there. It's like, that's, that's not bad.
1: Yeah. It, it was definitely cool getting that, yeah. you know, especially when you're, you're bitter because you think that, you know, it, it starts and ends with like you're showing win money when you have that really big knockout where. You're sitting there, like, edge of your seat, thinking that you're going to get this life changing amount of money when the, when the card is over. You just think, like, I had to have one of the three best performances. I mean, it was, you know, it was huge. And, uh, you know, they announced it. And while we're watching the TV on, like, the after show with the UFC, you know, it was just flatlined, you know. It was great getting the win. Don't get me wrong. And that was right. more important than any win in the UFC. But when it was over, it's like, all right here to stay you know and like all excited and then like now i'm gonna get my my big payout i'm gonna finally get out of full all my debts with this and it didn't happen yeah. so that that next little chunk was you know super super
2: appreciated yeah i mean
1: it was literally one third of my the total amount you know like wait plus with that ten thousand, you know i get 10 and 10 um, and then an extra 10 put it at, you know, a, a huge difference, you yeah. know, helped get out of a bit of a hole. Um, but the money goes quick. People don't quite realize that, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I was off for 13 months with, um, you know, without them giving me fights. You know, I had a pretty big surgery. Um, you know, I couldn't get them to give me fights. They were telling me they didn't know if they would keep me. Um, they were saying they were going to cut me. And I just, like, left a voicemail on, um, on Sean Shelby's uh, phone, I just said, don't cut me. You can leave me on the shelf. You know, I'll be ready. Just give me a call. You know, I'll fight and I'm going to win. And they didn't actually cut me off the roster. And I just waited. And 13 months later, I get to fight in Calgary on 30 days notice and got a big win, you know. Amazing. But so You pay for two flights, you know, each are like a grand each. You know, you pay $1,000 for your food while you're there. Yeah. Um, you pay for your training camps. You know, you're paying management, they're ten or twenty percent. So even though you get that twenty thousand dollars, it's gone pretty quickly. Totally. <laughs> and yeah. then also get taxed in Canada and then you also get taxed in the United States. So thirty percent plus another percent is gone quick. So yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty wild. Uh
0: so I actually saw you fight uh in Dover, New Hampshire. I don't know if you remember this <laughs> at the ICE arena. Remember that? That that uh, yeah. yeah. And I think I forget who put it on. I think that the shop actually put it on, if I'm not mistaken.
1: So they, yeah, they helped a lot with it. It was um actually I uh, I fought there twice, so okay. it was either you know how I won. So I'm pretty sure that you.
0: I remember they had it was pretty cool. They had a, a video of you that they played beforehand, Um and then I think you won by I think you submitted the guy. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah.
1: So so. Um, GFL went there and I won by armbar and I was still an amateur and then cage Titans went there and I was a pro and I won by triangle. Okay. Um,
0: I, you know what? So I think the, I think it was like 2012. So I think Mm -hmm. it was the arm armbar because I, you would, you would know better than me obviously, but uh, I just remember there, it was just so at first I took my son there because he trained at the shop too at the time. And, and at first I was just like, what an interesting place to have, you know, uh, fights. But then every single fight, it's like people, it, people don't realize the difference between watching a fight live and watching a fight on TV. And, and it doesn't matter what level you're fighting at or competing at. Watching two people who have put in months and months and years and years of work, put it all on the line, like 15, 20 feet, 100 feet from you, it's a whole different type of energy. it really is and and uh, it gave me a whole different level of appreciation. I mean I was a fan before that you know since 2001 or something like that but that but that night in particular was the first chance I had gotten actually I had seen one other GFL fight in Exeter at the Ioka um. Oh. And uh, which was was also a kind of an interesting place to watch a fight, but it's just it, it again it, it's a whole different type of energy. So of all the places that you've fought and you fought all over the world, you've I believe you know obviously Calgary, I think you were in Argentina. What's the biggest
1: crowd that you fought for? Uh, that's a good question. I feel like <sighs> I honestly don't know the answer to that, but I'm I feel like it'd probably be Argentina. I just feel like that probably was a big arena it's so hard to like focus on all of it when you're there because it's just such a crazy energy you're walking out like i know that the phoenix suns and the oklahoma city thunder Mm -hmm. arena's had like 15 to twenty thousand, you know um but not that doesn't mean they're all in there you know because like i i had fought those like i was the the um the main main event of the prelims my first ufc fight i think or the featured fight something so at that point most of the people were there Plus, sure. the guy I fought was from the lab, from Benson Henderson's gym, um, which is a Phoenix, Arizona gym. So basically, was fighting the, the hometown guy.
2: Wow.
1: Um, in, in that that arena, so they did not want me there. Oh, well, they didn't want me there. They just want me there to lose. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So that was a. I think that was probably the biggest crowd, because the time that I fought and everything. Um, but maybe the biggest crowd total might have been the. The um, arena in Ar- Argentina, but I I honestly don't know the capacity. Sure, maybe you can find that out one day and let me know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll look that up for sure. Um, so, what are your thoughts on interdimensional beings,
1: like UFOs? Though, I mean?
0: well, yeah, UFO could be, or it could just be like perhaps imagine a fifth or sixth dimension that's maybe. Right in front of us, but something that we can't recognize.
1: Um, yeah. You know, or, like Tom with would talk about. Um, I mean, I, in all honesty, I don't think much about them, but <laughs> I'm all I'm all for it. I mean, I, I would love to think that there's like different versions of us, like floating around in different time frames. Like
2: there you go. I can
1: have lapses and weird stuff. Like I want to think that you know there's something bigger out there somewhere else and when our time ends here we end up some other place doing something else spectacular um yeah, think one it. that about people we love that we've lost that are also you know floating off in the galaxy doing something cool you know
0: that's right on i'm right with that so you mentioned you were a guitar player which is cool i love music um, do you still play right now
1: um i i I do, but very infrequently, and it's really sad because I have some insane guitars and a really cool half set. I just get home from training so late, and I just like usually just mount melt, melt into the couch and watch like, an episode of something, and then um that's about it
0: yeah, yeah, totally um when you were playing uh back before you started you know training seriously what what kind of music did you play?
1: uh we played like. So I was big into like pop punk and screamo in high school and we played, we were in like an instrumental band. We tried a bunch of different singers, but really we were like kind of built for like instrumental um, because their songs are just so all over the place and like didn't really get back to like a lot of chorusy kind of parts and stuff. It was just kind of wild. So like, I think kind of like that intense, like, like almost like melodic screamo, little bit of pop punk-ish kind of stuff.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, and I'm trying to think of the year that would have been. So, we're talking like um, 2000, what four, five, six, something like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. totally.
0: And, and is that your favorite type of music to listen to as well? Are you a fan of that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I just got tickets for Blink 182's like Return with Tom DeLong.
2: Yeah, um,
1: and uh, they're playing at TD Garden over a thousand dollars to get three tickets that are just like normal tickets for me, my wife and my daughter. Um Holy and I remember some grade it and it was probably like fifty bucks a ticket or something, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: Speaking of UFOs, Tom DeLong's a big UFO guy.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. He's, he's big into, you know, hanging out with NASA and helping out with all like the getting the, the stuff unclassified and or declassified. Yeah. all that stuff he, he's crazy
0: so you went to marshwood high school um were you a south berwick kid or an Elliot kid south Berwick South Berwick yeah I, I, it's where I raised my family I lived there for 24 years great town um so marshwood is a it was and is for as long as I can remember been a huge wrestling school um was there ever a time were you ever involved in the wrestling program there or did you even have an interest in that or was that kind of interest came way after high school.
1: Yeah. I never, I never wrestled until I get into MMA. My brother was on the wrestling team. He was teammates with like Cody Lightfoot and stuff. Sure. um, Who became my MMA partner or teammate. And um, so after I got into MMA, I talked to like, the ricks and, and the, like the wrestling crew yeah. and all that and i started going over and in wrestling with them and i also wrestled a little bit with um the wells team um pretty sure it was the wells team it was so long ago but it was when i was still an amateur but i was yeah i was going in, in just doing straight wrestling with some of those guys to get those those looks from the athletic young kids mm-hmm. to like help develop my my mma
0: that's cool yeah it's a it's a great place to uh it was a great place to raise a family. I love living there. And um, uh, I've got nothing but good things to say about the town and the school. Um, do you think it's harder, so you mentioned you're a parent, I'm a parent. Um, do you think it's harder being a parent now or when you were growing up?
1: Um, probably now because you see so much more of what's going on the social media and stuff. Mm. I feel like everything that we, we were doing and, Everything was completely hidden, and there wasn't like something popping up all day, every day to see other kids are exact ages and how they're recording it and doing terrible things. You know, let alone if you're seeing other videos that kids are tagging your kid in or whatever, and you're actually seeing them partaking in dangerous or stupid things. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's harder in that sense because it's like when you worry about your children as far as like just raising a child i think it's probably easier in ways like you don't even have to go christmas shopping you just open your computer and you just buy a bunch of stuff and then everything shows up you know <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that can be easier you can literally just like call Hannaford and just have all of your food for your whole family delivered if you want it or however you do that so i think there's so much stuff that's been simplified and, and made way easier for you people are lazy. It's um, <laughs> perfectly fine. I mean, I'm always I'm an advocate for being willing to pay somebody to do something that I don't think is worth me spending a lot of time doing worse than they would do it. Like, I know the older generation is like, no, you'll, you'll change the oil in your car, you know? Right. But, like, if I tried to do that, it would take me literally hours, whereas I can take it somewhere, and in five minutes, and I spend, like, 50 bucks or something, which, like, I get it, like, 50 bucks is valuable, but, like, my eight hours where I could be at the gym, you know, doing a lot of work with my fighters and stuff where of I'm trying course. to learn how to change the oil of a car, it's, like, doesn't make sense. So, right. I think it's great that some of the stuff is so easy to do as a parent now because then you just have more time to be doing more exciting things.
0: Totally. Uh, 100% agree with that. So I, I... Based on what I can tell from, and we're going to get at the end of the interview, we'll give out all your social media stuff and everything for people to check out. But it seems like you're a big car guy. Um, do, you, do you collect
1: cars? Um, so I, I'm one of those guys that likes cars a lot, um, but don't know any, Like I don't know anything about cars. I have a '57 Ford, oh. and people ask me things about it, and like all I know is it's a V8 you know like i don't know anything about fixing it but luckily one of my students is a great mechanic and i have a sponsorship with them so like they really hook us up really really good with with service and stuff like that so i go to hagen motor pool and anytime i need something he, he's my guy um other than that you know i had i have a pretty plain jane beamer that i had dipped orange but um you know i'm always looking at cars just like uh, usually like classic cars if I had a disposable income, and I had, like, at the garage, I'm sure I'd have a couple cool old, old cars. Yeah. I'd also, you know, want to get my dad an old Mustang one day if I somehow That's cool. had a crazy amount of money because he's always wanted one. He'll never buy himself one. Even yeah. though he could just go to the lot and just, you know, just take one anytime he wanted. He just won't do that for himself.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like, I love old – first of all, I love old cars. I think that all the cars that they make today, they all look the same. Like, even they've taken, like – you know, the new BMWs and new Mercedes, they all look like Hyundais and Kias to me. Like, nothing looks different. They all look kind of, you know, just like they were stamped out of the same factory, and they probably are. But, you know, you go back and you look at some of, like, the 1976 BMW 2002s, and you look at, like, the Carmen Geas and the Type 3 Volkswagens. I mean, those kind of cars just don't exist anymore. I don't know anything about cars either in terms of what's inside, but I know what I like in terms of the aesthetics and the way it looks and I know that you can't find cars with that type of personality anymore. At least I haven't seen one. Um, so yeah. I, I appreciate those those classic old-looking cars that, you know, kind of seem like they might break down at any point. But, you know, it's like they just look so different than anything else. And I just love that.
1: Yeah, there's a couple cars that are new that, that, that I look at that I think are, like, pretty cool. Like, for example, and I, I don't know if I would ever – consider actually driving it but like it's just so different like the Mustang SUV I mm. see that and like that's totally different um, I really like the Mercedes G-Wagons and actually ironically enough I was talking to my mechanic about those like a couple years ago and then he just like called me over like yeah I think you like showed up at the gym he's like hey look outside and he showed me he bought himself a G-Wagon oh, no so like way. those are super cool looking yeah. um, and then and like not not much else like jumps out at me. I kind of like the new Ford Broncos. I think those are kind of rad looking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is you know if you just took the logo off, you'd just be you know be tough to differentiate between a lot of them.
0: Yeah, the new Ford Broncos are cool, but then I always say, well, they're cool, but the original Ford Bronco is like <laughs> to me even cooler. But um, yeah, it's know. like
1: the the new Ford Bronco that's like totally decked out that looks like a, like an absolute, like, like out outdoor, like, like climbing machine. Those yeah. are pretty sweet. Some of them that are like a little too like rounded and probably like the cheapest versions kind of look a little, a little more cheesy, but the ones that are super decked out are, are pretty cool looking, I think. Sure. So you mentioned
0: earlier that when you get back from training, you kind of watch an episode of something. Is there a TV show that you're really enjoying right now?
1: So we go in a vicious cycle of rewatching the same stuff over <laughs> and over. And then once every like five months, we'll, <laughs> we'll, uh, um, you know, maybe find something new. Yeah. Uh, so like right now, I mean, my wife is is the, the leader of the pack and like, she, like I teach the classes, but she like keeps all the business in order. So when we get home, That's awesome. you know, she usually has, choice in what we watch like I might suggest a horror movie in one out of ten and maybe I get lucky we can watch one but usually we end up watching either Friends or Parks and Recreation or um, The Office mm-hmm. which that one we, we both like I might have even been more into it than her at, at beforehand um, or Scrubs um, or you know that's, those are the main ones It's it's usually Friends or yeah. Friends is a big one. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, sometimes shrubs, sometimes the office, sometimes parks and rec, but it's definitely just like, all right, now we're going to watch this full season through again, slowly, but surely one episode a night for, you know, a couple months or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. No, I, I love that. I mean, a lot of people have a different perspective on, you know, TV or movies. It's like once they watch it once that they don't want to watch it again, but I I'm, I'm in your camp. Like I, to me, a, a movie or a TV show is the same as an album. Like, I, it, there are some albums that I've listened to, you know, 50, 60, 100, 1,000 times. Who knows? And it's because it's a work of art, and I can appreciate that work of art every time I hear it. And there are some albums that when I hear it, you know, for the 75th time, it's like I hear something new. And, and movies and TV shows are the same way. It's like I've seen The Sopranos front to back, you know, probably six times But every time that I go back and watch it, you know, and I did it during the pandemic, I I noticed something that I either didn't remember or didn't see the first time. So if if you got something you like, why not keep watching it? You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, and the other thing too for us is like that's always like a a bonus when you like kind of catch on to something or some foreshadowing that you didn't recognize before. Totally. (laughs) Uh, But for us, like sometimes we do want to watch something new, but like we go to the gym in the morning. We usually stay there between classes that are the morning and night classes. And then we're back home at like nine or 10, nine would be really early for us to get back on, on this rest the gym. Yeah. Um, and we're there six days a week. So wow. when we get back home, like I'm responding to the emails that we got throughout the day. Um, she's entering the contracts that we got. Um, she's going through and doing all the, the, the merch and the Shopify's and all that. So like, Movies and everything now are, like, they try so hard to be so cheeky and so clever and, like, so much going on that, like, if you're not locked in or if you're on your phone at all your computer at all, you're lost. So, usually something familiar where you can, like, be partially paying attention to and kind of laughing on the side is, like, the easiest route because it's just too hard to to do something new 90% of the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, so what is your Mount Rushmore of? MMA fighters so Mount Rushmore obviously national monuments got four presidents up there but imagine if you will instead of four presidents faces you've got four uh, mixed martial artists up on that monument who would your Mount Rushmore of mixed martial artists be
1: so is it would this be like my favorites or who I really think are like the, the greatest of all time
0: well, that's a great question. I mean, it's ultimately it's your Mount Rushmore, so it can be either. I mean, I guess the spirit of it is the greatest of all time, but they can be. It can certainly be the ones that you like the most. I mean, it's it's your Mount Rushmore.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think surprisingly enough, I haven't really I haven't been asked this. Um, I I think if I was to be super quick, I would say Anderson, uh, Anderson Hoyt, um, GSP uh John Jones.
2: Yeah. Jones
1: like a well, weird one because of the PD right? Yeah. Um but it's here got pop once now. Um but with that aside, you know, I think skill set wise and um like skill set wise at the time voice, you know, it was just bringing he was like showing what Jiu Jitsu could do. Sure. You know, it's like just just Jitsu no longer is gonna come close to being good enough, but You know, at the time, he was definitely, you know, he he led everyone on to it. Um, And then as far as, like, once everybody realized they need to be fully developed in all aspects of the sport, I think George St. Pierre, Mm. Anderson, Don Jones are the the three that were the most, um, you know, that reigned supreme the longest and were the the absolute best at it. Um, You know, I, I would never put Conor even close in any of that um as far as they've done for the sport he would be on it if we're looking at it in that perspective but just as as far as like dominance in the sport those ones would be the ones
0: yeah no i dig it so gsp for me was my favorite fighter of all time i'm actually i'm in the studio now and i'm looking across the way and i've got um a poster from when he fought bj penn uh one of the times that he fought bj penn yeah And and you know it it was he was just so meticulous and he had a different strategy for every fight and then there was that one fight where he lost to Matt Sarah and I was I've never been so shocked at a sporting event in my entire life I couldn't believe it it was hard for me to actually wrap my head around the fact that Matt Sarah beat GSP and then what I what what I loved about it was that you know it it would have been easy for him to make a lot of excuses and kind of go down a different road And, and instead it was just like it was the next string of fights he put together was probably the most impressive, including when he got the rematch with Sarah and just, you know, walked all over him. So GSP has yeah. always been, always been my man. I, I think he's great.
1: Yeah. Amazing. He's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Uh, what's the worst. I mean, it, look, it, we're, it's a sport. It's an amazing sport. I've got such respect for the people that do it and train it, but it's also a brutal sport. Um, I, I think it's ultimately, I believe it's safer than boxing for a lot of reasons, which, I'm not going to bore you with because you already know them. But you can get you can get hurt, and you've been hurt, um, and you're putting your, your body on the line every time you go out there and, and fight. What's the worst injury that you've ever had as a mixed martial artist?
1: Um, I would say probably, if, I don't know if it's um, appropriate. Everything's uh, I mean, appropriate. You can say whatever you want. It, well, I, had a, I had a ruptured testicle um thanks to Joe for training. <laughs> yeah, that, that got me on Jim Rome it got me on TMZ, it got me on um got me on uh like uh I think uh, one of the sports center kind of things. Um got me on Ariel Hawani Show. A lot of different stuff. It was it was the best thing for my career and the worst thing to experience ever yeah but yeah, yeah we're, I mean, we weren't I mean, even We were doing jiu-jitsu and he tried to pass my guard and he tried to knee slice past me and he just came up and just saying which one of them and
2: oh
1: popped it. damn all right um, so that yeah <laughs> I
0: doubled over um so when that happened like you, you obviously at that moment in time you knew something was really wrong but did you know how wrong it was or were you just kind of like running on endorphins and and all the adrenaline in your body? You weren't really quite sure that what had happened.
1: Yeah. The crazy thing is like, it was, it was excruciating. I was like rolling on the ground in pain. And then I went into the bathroom there because we tried two and a half hours to get there. That was when I was in the UFC. Um, So once I got to the UFC, I was like, I got to, I get to start cross training and you know? I get to like, I got to train with like some people that have this experience because, you know, training with my students and uh, everybody around me was amazing, but it just was like, I need, I needed to, I knew I needed to do more. Um, so that's why I started training with and he coached me and stuff. Yeah. So it's such a long trip and to go there in the morning and come back to teach all night. Like I was, I was like, I can't just get hurt right now or like be sore. and And then like, leave and then maybe feel better and like, you know, a little bit. So I was like, I'm gonna go in the bathroom, we gonna kinda of check it out. And if it feels normal, I'm gonna try and get back and enroll again. But when I went out and felt it, it felt like it had like a unicorn horn on it. And I was like, that's not right. Yep. So we packed up, we left. I tried to go to a um like a like a walk in clinic and they wouldn't take me in. I tried to explain to them how the USD pays like, right out of pocket, I was like, I'll give you the phone with the person with the credit card. They'll pay for everything, like, right up front before you even do anything. But they, like, shooed me out. So I wow. went to a bar with my wife. We got food. I got a bunch of really strong drinks. Um, and I basically tried to, like, sleep it off. I woke up Holy and I felt shit. bad. Not only hungover, but, like, just in pain still. I'm like, And I made a post on Facebook. I just wrote, like... Anybody out there had, like, an, an issue where they got hit, like, in the groin? Like, I have, like – um like, I think I was – I don't think I was super detailed, but I think I mentioned that things were, you know, didn't feel right. And somebody – a bunch of people said that I need to go get looked at. And, like, you know, like, uh some were saying, like, you can get, like, testicular torsion where, like, it's on and, like, can go dead and, like, then can, can lose it. So, it was, like, all right, well, I got to just – go in. And I went and they did um, an ultrasound and then the doctor came in and they're just like, what have you had to eat or drink? And I knew, because I've had plenty of them, that's just a a sign for, you're going to go in for surgery. So they put me in the the ambulance, rushed me to the hospital, and then I was going into surgery. (sighs)
0: Damn. Well, that that makes all other injuries uh, seem like uh, much lesser affairs. So that, that's, uh, that, that'll make a man out of you right there. Holy Moses. Uh, yeah. So that one.
1: you know, that was the worst one. I, I mean, I've had a lot, but another one, I'll say super quick. that I, w- I would say was the scariest and it was in a fight was yeah. I had a, a high FEMA in my eyes. So in Argentina, in the second round, right away, I get hit with something. I don't even know what it is. I don't, I haven't watched the fight really. Um, if I did, maybe I could figure it out, but immediately my eyes stopped working. Um, and then in between the second and third round, I tried going out, um, to the third round with my eye closed because it was just, it couldn't see. It was like a, just one dark shade of yellow that I would Holy see out of my eyes. So I closed it to try and like make it where I could, uh, be more comfortable seeing instead of seeing that. And they stopped the fight and they started talking to me and they asked if I could see I just said it was fine. And they didn't do like a, a finger test to see like if I could count the fingers. Um, so there, I said it was fine. They let me go back out. Um, after the fight, I lost the decision in Argentina. Um, I was just like, from there, I was like, I can't see anything out of my eye. And, and I knew that my eye looked fine. I didn't have like, it wasn't like my eye closed from like a, you know, big shot or something. Yep. Um, it just, it looked fine. And then I was trying to figure out if I was going to be able to see or like what was going on. Like I knew like Jackson Wink had, or Winkle John had like had sliced his iris and never saw again out of his eyes. I was like, "What? What is really going on here?" And nobody spoke English, so they took me to a hospital gas station. Jesus Christ! So they a built with a gas station attached to it. Come on! Um, they dropped me out of the stretcher because I had two bro- like busted up feet, like one fractured foot, and they dropped me out of the dropped me onto the pavement out of the stretcher, and then I had to like get back in they brought me in still nobody, uh, nobody able to speak English. And I was just like trying to ask them, like, am I going to be able to see one lady was like looking at me and I was like, am- can I, am I going to see like, what, what is this? And she was just like nodding her head. No. Uh-huh. Um, but I think she just didn't speak English. So she's like, I don't know what you're saying. It's like, what was going on? And then finally somebody like, that could speak some English came in and said like, what was going on it was like, I had a hyphema which means I had a bruise inside my eyeball that was completely obstructing all my vision Good, and I need to let all the blood drain out of my eyeball so I could see. So hours later I could start seeing a little bit. If I tipped my head um, like back uh, up, it would like again start blocking my vision. But it was it's pretty crazy. There's a picture that uh, that I posted before that I'm sure is just on Google where you can see my eye that's it's half like dark brown and half normal because it's me in the hospital when half of it had drained out and it looks pretty, pretty crazy. Um, but after that, you know, that was good, but it was, that was so scary.
0: <sighs> I, honestly, I mean, it sounds like a horror story. That just sounds like a, a true war story. Like, I mean, being in a different country, being all beat up, going to a gas station hospital, not having any idea if you're going to see again, it's like, what, what a nightmare. Good God. Um, All right. So let's talk about some of the people that you're training at your gym. So so who are throw a couple of shout outs there for people that might be, you know, highly ranked or people that are kind of moving up the food chain in terms of local promotions. Who's in your gym that you're really proud of that's making strides? It's out there. Maybe some people that have fights coming up. You know, who's worth talking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have so many like we have some old school guys like. Bill actually is gonna be fighting soon. He has a really big fight. And Bill's just one of those old war dogs that like I'll go into the fire with him anytime. You know, he's just he's just a local legend. Um Bill Jones. Another local legend. Yeah, Bill he Jones. He still fights? I mean he hasn't in a while, but he's he's going to be again, you'll wow. probably see Um and then uh you know, another old like Kind of older generation, but still young. He's only, I think he's only 31. But Aaron Lacey is at our gym. You know, he's a really good fighter that's been around a while. He's seen it all. He's um, got a good record. He's 7 and 4. His last two, he really got screwed over. Like his last fight, there was a really bad stoppage where the referee jumped in so early. Um, you know, he did, he got clipped with a good shot um, against the 10 and 2 guy was also very legit, but the referee jumped in when Aaron posted and turned in and went to recover his guard. He didn't get hit with a follow up shot, and the ref stopped and just stood up and just talked off, just so disappointed in what the referee did um in his fight before that he got cut and in between rounds one and two the the doctor didn't allow him to keep going, and the cut wasn't even very bad it was it was it was pretty disgusting that he stopped it. Um, so he's had some bad luck, but he's a, you know, he's a very good fighter with, uh, you know, a lot left in him. So we're, we're hoping that we can line some good stuff up for him. Um, as far as like the rest of them, I mean, that's just two of our pros. Another one of our pros, Nate Grimard. he's, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that's like still so new to this. Um, but he's already got four pro fights. Um, he's, he was a 145 AMI champ. You know, he's one of those guys that, I believe that, if we get him in the right string of fights um in the next couple of years we could get him onto contender series and then go from there or you know if you right. wanted a different route, contract with pfl or bellator or something you know, he's very dedicated very hard working um we got uh kyle Pufall, who just fought and won the 155 title for amateur for K- uh, combat zone he's He's another one. He, he just did a three-year mark of training with no prior training. Wow. Um, he's four and one. Um, you know, he's had two title fights already. Uh, he's just—he's going to be going pro next. He's—he's he's just a freak. He's just—he's so athletic and so hungry and driven. <clears throat> um, we have David Burke, who we're going to Pennsylvania to fight for a title in a uh, in a week from now, December tenth. Or like a, a week and a half or so from now, okay. and uh, he's he's three and zero with all three finishes, and he's only trained for a year. Wow. Um, he was a wrestler, but yeah, he's three and three finishes, all um, all the fights combined are like about twenty seconds longer than a single round. <laughs> um, he's he's just a freak, assassin. Um, yeah, and I mean we have so many more, but I would I would say the the last one that. I'll mention right now. I mean, like, really need to mention after that. But we we have a, a good amount. But our our absolute um, actually there's more than more than one that I mentioned. Another one that's another really new guy is Brody, and he's supposed to fight for the Cage Titans title next. Um, he's two 0 one and um kickboxing. He's just an absolute savage. He used to play hockey, and he's just got so much fire in him. He's just a fighter's fighter, fighter. Yep. That we're going to see a lot of good things from him. He's, you know, he's given the guys that are super experienced such hard times now, um, and it's, you know, it's pretty cool to see his development. Um, one of the guys I'll mention, but he's not with me anymore, unfortunately, because he he joined the army. But he was one of those guys that I really think we could have gotten in the UFC. Um, R.J. Uh, Janicek. he's two and zero MMA one and zero kickboxing. Um, you know, all, all finishes, um, except this kickboxing fight, he just won a a dominant decision, <clears throat> but he's just, you know, he's another one that like, he just absolutely hates to lose. So, so competitive, but yep. a really good person with a kind heart and, um, sky's the limit for him. Um, but the one that I was going to mention as like the final one is Kyle Hill. Cause we're going to New York for him. Um, but Kyle Hill trains seven days a week. Like, yeah, everybody trains. Hard. I don't, I don't pick favorites, but there's just something to say about somebody that's in the gym, literally seven days a week, wow. um, hours after hour, after hour, he drives 45 minutes or more um, to get there every single day. He teaches multiple days a week. He helps out with the kids program. He's 3-0. and He's the 170-pound champion in New, uh, for New England fights. Um, he's a savage purple belt. He puts on the gi, which a lot of fighters, they don't have to, but I always tell him that it, it will make you better if you can find that time to train with the jiu-jitsu elitist. Yeah. And he puts on the, the gi like three or more times a week, plus the times with the kids now. Um, you know, He's just – all he does is watch martial arts, train martial arts, film his rounds. Asked me to, to watch what he does. Um, Incredible. You know, he's very coachable. He's not, I don't want to say he, he loses in training, but he's not afraid to lose because all he wants to do is learn. So anytime he has a single bad round or anything, he wants to talk about it and get better from it. Um, and that's the reason that he's undefeated right now. You know, and that's yeah. the reason I truly believe he's going to go take out one of the top prospects in New York in, um, you know, in a month and a half or so. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's a, um, I don't even want to say he's a, a prodigy, you know, he's just a, he's just the, you know, the, the, um, you know, its just what comes from a, a complete uh, dedication to a craft. Yeah. And you know, he came in a kid that was out of shape at 15 years old, um, looking for an outlet, you know, just needed something to, to better his life. And most kids that are 15 that are lost aren't, you know, aren't smart enough or don't have enough uh, head on the shoulders yet to even realize what they need to do. But he knew he needed to find something and he found martial arts and he went from this kid that was, you know, a little overweight that wasn't super athletic to being an absolute specimen. You know, just one of the hardest people That you'll ever have around with if you ever anybody that came and cross-trained with him i don't care if they're pros i don't care if they're in the ufc they would get incredible looks from this kid um and he you know he's a war dog he would he would go into the into the trenches with anybody um but he's also a smart training partner you know he's not looking to shorten his career but um everybody has their moments in the gym and when you see it with him it's pretty pretty spectacular amazing
0: Well, that's really cool. And I think, you know, when you think about the evolution of the sport, like there was a time where, you know, early on you you couldn't train as a kid in in mixed martial arts, you had to, you know, kind of find your way, whether it was through, you know, some people entered through wrestling, some people entered through jujitsu, some people were, you know, karate. It was like that, that was kind of the, you know, you came in from and you learned the other disciplines, but in the last 10, you know, 15 years, there are kids who have been training and you've got some in your gym, I'm sure that were training when they're, you know, under 10, and then they keep training all the way up. And so you've got this whole, you know, generation of, of mixed martial artists that are able to train MMA from the start. So with that in mind, give a plug, how can people out there that are listening to this, if they're interested in, you know, for themselves or for their kids or for someone they might know, how can they get involved in your gym where can they find you? You know, let's get a couple plugs for uh, for your amazing facility.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do it. Um, I'll, before I do that, I just figured since I, we I, we have a lot more fighters than just this, but one other fighter does have a title fight coming up. Sure, Key Baltimore. He's a kid that um, dedicated himself to martial arts. He's from Tampa, Florida, but he's here living away from his family and everything, um, just like Aaron Lacey is. Aaron's three hours away from his wife and kid, and he lives uh, directly above the gym and trains every day and has a job down here to, to still chase the stream. but he is living here away from his family and in Florida and is training with us. And he's, he's still really new to all this, but he did wrestle in high school. Um, and he's one of those ones that just has this special it factor. Like you see him when he's in the cage and he has something about him that you really can see him going far with it. Um, he has like a swagger to him too. When he's in the cage, like before, uh, um, you know, during fights where he's just getting announced. He's just in his normal, like, street clothes and stuff. you just see him, and you can be like, all right, that kid's got kind of like an Al Joe, like, kind of like cool presence to him, you know, and he's just, he's a very modest kid. He's not very loud or anything. He just shows up trained, very honest, um, you know, and he's in school and works full-time. So, you know, we're, we're going to line things up for Keith, too, where, you know, he can really get far with it, especially when he, he can have more time to be in the gym every day which is not always easy for them. Um, but back to the plugs and stuff, um, I get, you know, Instagram, Twitter. I almost never use Twitter, but I'm sure I should. Um, but uh, at Devin Powell, Stos MMA, um, and then at Nostos MMA, the actual gym one, which is, you know, probably more important to follow. Um, you know, I get Facebook. You can follow it. I, I think I, every once in a while, I'll have enough space for, like, people to, like, Friend me or whatnot but you know that's that's about it you know I'm more on instagram than anything else but um trying to do mostly business related stuff sure
0: and, and what's your website the uh place where people can go find out about classes and what have you
1: yeah the gym website is at uh, dot com.
0: perfect Awesome. Well, if you could see the live studio audience here, they are all standing on their feet. They are they're okay. waving flags with your face on it. They are they're 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 still some of the guys in the audience are still doubled over from your story of your your, your terrible accident you had. Uh, your injury <laughs> and I want to thank you sincerely I, I know you're a busy guy clearly a lot of you know the dedication that you've got for the sport you've kind of outlined tonight you're you're putting everything into it and it's paying off and um, so I really do sincerely appreciate you carving out uh, an hour to talk about uh, what you're doing in the sport uh, I really do appreciate it um, and, and I hope you have continued success with your gym and uh, you know thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime we appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right, man. Have a good night. You too. Take Thank care. You.